What is up, Reading Royals fans? It has been way too long since we've had hockey here in Berks County. My goodness, how's it feel to be back? Awesome. Oh, this is a lovely sight, seeing everybody back here again. I am Dylan Coyle. I'm joined alongside a legend. Give everybody a, give a round of applause for this legend, Pat Richards. Dylan, thanks very much, and welcome to the broadcast booth. I'm looking forward to the season. Thank you. You know, it's uh, as long as you let me talk. Yeah, I'll let you talk. I'll let you talk as well. But you know what? This is uh, amazing. I was so happy that you were going to join in the booth again. That you were returning. You know, I guess I should introduce myself a little bit. Um, I interned here for two years, so some of you may know me, some some of you may not. And if you do know me, well. My apologies, but I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to really bring the action here at Santander Arena to everybody. And some of the some of the most amazing things, Pat, is I announced with you when I was in high school. That's crazy. And I wasn't. <laughs> you were not. You were not. There, there is a, a bit of a disparity there, I guess. Well, Dylan, it, it is kind of interesting that you've come full circle, uh, that you've come full circle first as a just kind of trailing Mark Thompson, the Royals' former play-by-play -play broadcaster, getting a feel for this business and the game of broadcasting, and then interning with the Royals uh, under David Fine, who's now moved on to be the play-by-play -play voice of the uh, Iowa Highlanders. And it's uh, really interesting, and I'm happy to have you as a partner. I'm looking forward to the season. It's been, as you said, way too long uh, between home games for the Royals. I was doing some arithmetic. The last home game this team played was March 8th of 2020, believe it or not. And when we open the home season on October the 23rd, it'll be 593 days between home games. That's amazing. That's a big wait. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about waiting for a long time for hockey to come back, I mean, you really can't get um, longer than pretty much almost two calendar years. That's amazing. It really, and last winter, I think for all the fans and I'm sure the players, head coach Kirk McDonald, who we will talk to later in this broadcast, I think felt that same pang in their, uh, in their gut that uh, they missed the game, uh, missed being at uh, Royals games at Santander Arena, and just uh, being involved in following the team. It was a long, empty winter, and looking forward to fill it with some excitement this year. What did you do over the last, uh, what, 20 months, 18 months? What, what have you been up to, Pat? Well, I won't, uh, I won't go into detail of why, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not 23 years old like you. So we had to, <laughs> okay, my wife okay, and I fair. were, my wife and I were uh, fairly uh, careful, like uh, I'm sure most of the fans were. A lot of binge watch, watching um, all the episodes of Mad Men. Uh, we okay. went back and rewatched all the episodes of West Wing, did a lot of reading. We painted a couple of rooms, uh, wallpapered another. So some of the same things a lot of people did stayed close to home and uh, waited for spring to come and then uh, summertime and at least you'll be able to get outside. But it was still a long wait uh, for the game. Yeah, no, I uh, totally feel you there on the binge watching part because I, I binge watched a lot of things as well. Um, you know, Mad Men, isn't, I've never watched that. Would you recommend that? I would. It's a story about uh, the 1950s and 60s in the advertising market uh, on Madison Avenue. So. You may not, you know, just uh, and you'd have to, you know, maybe familiarize yourself with that era. But it was, I thought it was excellent. I, th I think there was about 100, I want to say 105 or 110 
episodes of it, so wow. it took a while to watch it. But yeah. we had time, nothing but time on our hands. This is true. There, there was nothing but time. But soon we're going to be looking at the clocks, 20-minute periods. I mean, it's coming back. The Royals are hitting the ice on Saturday for a preseason game. That is amazing. Yes, the Royals are coming back. I mean, can you guys believe it? Well, and all that it takes to get in the door is uh, a canned good that goes to the uh, the food local food bank. Helping and, harvest. Uh, Can't wait. And uh, the Adirondack Thunder will come down and uh, be the opposition. The Royals will open the season on Friday night in Adirondack. We have done that a number of years, the yeah. two preseason games home and home with Adirondack starting on Friday night. There will not be any broadcast on Friday night, but we Correct. will be – Working the kinks out, as they say, Yes. on a Saturday night at the preseason game. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring everything, all the action, starting Saturday with that home preseason game. Pretty exciting, pretty awesome that, we're, uh, that it's already back. It, it, you know, we kept counting down the days in the offseason. I, I was just looking back at some old emails, and I saw a subject line, 150 days. And we're very far away from 150 days to where we are right now. I mean, pretty much what? It's, uh, it's 11, 12, 10, so we're back in the regular season. Yeah, it's Amazing. 11 days today, the 12th, and the home opener is the 23rd. Of course, the night before, the Royals will open the season on the road. Uh, but Saturday, October 23rd, it should be a wild night. I know there's a big block party planned. We're, uh, fingers crossed for good weather, but yes. it should be an exciting night nonetheless. I'm sure there'll be that... Uh, Long-awaited buzz in the air as people uh, wait for the puck to drop, and I'm sure the same thing will be true for the staff and the coaching staff and the players that will be donned in uh, red and or purple and white. Yeah, amazing. Some new jerseys this, this season. I mean, you know, we're talking about all the new things. It's the 20th anniversary season, 20 years of hockey in Reading, which is pretty amazing. Uh, who has been with us for all 20 years? I want to hear you. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. You know, it's pretty amazing. Whenever I talk to some of our fans that have been here for all 20 years of existence, it's, uh, you know, they, they have quite the stories, quite the history to talk about. And, I mean, it's no small feat. No, absolutely not. And I recognize a lot of faces that I've seen at every single home game that I've done. I've not done them all. Uh, but uh, this uh, franchise has had remarkable stability in its support and fan base, and uh, that's just a credit to the fans and the local community in Berks County, the way they've supported this team. I don't think everybody understands just how important having 20 years of a single-name, single-city team in the ECHL is. It doesn't happen very often. I mean, this is one of, you know, you can count it on your hands, maybe a few more that have still been around for this long. It's, it's pretty remarkable, and not going anywhere, so it's amazing. Can't wait to bring some more joy to everyone. 20 years of everything excitement. Wise. And, you know, it is interesting because you see the changes that the ECHL is bringing this season. Two new teams, mm -hmm. Brampton uh, uh, ceased operations uh, during the pandemic uh, uh, absence, and uh, so that team is no longer uh, will be a foe of the Royals, but uh, Trois-Rivières in Quebec, and, of course, the new team in uh, Iowa City, based I think it's Coralville, but that's a community mm -hmm. of Iowa City. The Iowa Highlanders, former play-by-play -play man David Fine, will be the calling the action out there in the Midwest. And uh, you know, just looking forward to uh, this uh, another season here in Reading, another stable season, and hopefully a very successful season uh, with some new and exciting players. But uh, there's uh, more than a handful of returning players that the fans will be familiar with. I know. 
Braden Lope in particular uh, is returning and very anxious to get this season underway. Yeah, there's a, uh, a good amount of players that are returning here, and, and that's an awesome part, right? We always like to talk about um, the these character guys, Brayden Lowe, Garrett Tessier, Frank Teixeira. I mean, these players are returning to the team, and, you know, they're they're so, so excited, so ready to go. You know, we were talking to them a few days, and the term they always used was unfinished business. Unfinished business, because... I mean, you look at it, their first season, 2018-19 here, missed the playoffs by one point. 2019-20, the Royals, at the time that the season was just called off, were probably the hottest team in the league. It's unfinished business. It feels that way to the players. It feels that way to the team. I'm sure we're feeling it as well. When that season, 1920, uh, was uh, called off, the Royals had played 60 games and had 37 wins. And I think all of us can hearken back uh, of course, Newfoundland as the defending, uh, you know, Kelly Cup champion that season. It was time uh, that the at that time of the season, a lot of us were already looking ahead in hopes of a Newfoundland uh, Royals playoff series. And the way the Royals were finishing that season, it really was disappointing in very many ways that the uh, the season wasn't able to be concluded. And of course, there were no playoffs. No. Uh, Kelly Cup champion was uh, declared for that season, and it left an empty spot, I think, in a lot of the boys' uh, hearts. And I think the, the those that are returning, I think, want to, you know, start the marathon again and hopefully bring a second cup back to Reading. There's a lot of new faces coming to the team as well. Of course, training camp is underway, so we don't know the whole roster yet, but some of the guys that have been signed over the offseason, you look at somebody like uh, Kyle McKenzie, you know, he played in Worcester for a bit. He's a real big character guy. I've seen in in around the locker room, you have so many guys that enjoy each other's presence. And I think that just leads to on-ice play being exemplified. You know, if things uh, in my time around the Royals, I've learn that if things run smoothly in the room amongst the players, it makes the job of the coaching staff much, much easier. And in fact, you go back to former uh, coach in the National Hockey League with Winnipeg and uh, in the American League, Claude Noel, who won a, uh, uh, a trophy himself as a head coach. I think he held the philosophy that uh, by the time you get more than halfway through the season, the coach's job is done. The, the room and the mentality in that room is as it's going to be. Yeah. And you have to step back sometimes and let the reins go and let the players kind of uh, run the operation themselves. That's when you've been successful, both in recruiting the right players, the team bonding as they should, preparing themselves appropriately, uh, and then the coaches can just sit back and you know, coach the games. You know, one of the newcomers is actually right now, I believe, the only veteran um, enabled the veteran uh, designated player on the team and that's Josh Winquist. Now he is a fantastic player uh, over his career 157 games 161 points in the ECHL and there's a lot of guys who are right around that point per game mark that is really coming into this team and they're going to make a difference. And that's one thing that head coach Kirk McDonald I think has uh, maybe done better than anything else in his time as the head coach is blending the talent base, blending the roster between skill people and I'll call them energy people, people that uh, may not necessarily be a point-to-game player or anywhere close to that, but do the little things, kill penalties, play on the the third line, uh, play you know in a 
get themselves into a defensive role against the opposition's leading scorers or top line. Those uh, we talk about season after season, but those are the skill set that you can't overlook as a head coach. And you look at some teams in this league that have been a kind of brush fire. They flare up and then burn out real quickly because they don't have those glue guys right. in the locker room. And when the sticks go dry and the dog days of January come around, that's when you need players like Braden Lowe as an example. Do you think we're going to have a dog days in January with all the excitement about being back into playing hockey? I mean, there's going to be a bit of a burnout at one point in the season. There always is. But January? I don't know. I think they're going to keep going. I, I see that excitement, that, that mentality of unfinished business, keeping them going for a long while here. I think it's going to be, uh, I think part of the job of uh, head coach Kirk McDonald is going to be pulling the reins back. I think the guys are so excited to get started and jump on the ice. You can't play all 72 games on October the 23rd. This is a marathon, as both of us know. It's a long, arduous grind day in and day out. In this league, you know, games clustered together, three games in three days or four games in five days. Road trips uh, after a road game, a road trip back home, and you play the next night. All those things that just can just burn a guy's legs out. You have to find a way to kind of, in a measured way, bring your A game every night, but not expend all of your energy before Thanksgiving. Something that always intrigues me is seeing some players come out of college where you play maybe, you know, 30, 40 something games and you come into the ECHL and you're playing 72 games plus a hard training camp, plus preseason, plus playoffs. I mean, it's really the dog days are a place you see where you kind of see what a guy's made of. Well, that's very true, Dylan. You're right. The, the average Division One team, uh, if they don't get into the NCAA tournament, they're going to play 36, 38 games. And even if you're a top-line talent in a Division One program, uh, you get to halfway through the season, usually in about mid-January, and that's when you see these guys kind of They've lost their legs a little bit, and they may have a down period of a couple of weeks until they can find that extra gear, that reserve fuel tank. Uh, that is something that is somewhat unique to this league, where you have players making that jump into professional hockey. Uh, the NHL game has gotten to the point now that there's very, very few players that come out of uh, a college program or the major junior teams straight full-time to the NHL. The top one, two, three, four draft choices, that happens. But when you look at seven rounds of draft picks, it, you know, it takes uh, two, three, four years of grooming uh, to prepare you to move up just in terms of understanding and learning the physical demands to complete a 72-game season. You know, to springboard off of that a little bit, some other news that we got throughout the summer was that the uh, affiliation agreement between the Royals and the Philadelphia Flyers, it got re-upped. And I know a lot of people who have been here since 2001 always like to think, you know what, this team started out as a Los Angeles Kings franchise, Jonathan Quick, all of that. This Flyers-Royals agreement is now the longest affiliation agreement in Royals history. There's no team that the Royals have been affiliated with longer than the Philadelphia Flyers, and that's remarkable. It is, and I think it seems to me, Dylan, that the relationship is continuing to grow and sprout, uh, you know, new roots. Uh, going back to those first year, that first year, uh, the 
frankly, the cupboards were a little bare for the Flyers in terms of uh, their viable prospects, but that is a much different circumstance. You think about uh, Carol Ustamenko and some of the other players that we've seen that are real prospects for the Flyers. They've been able to see those players uh, here in Reading and then watch them move up to Lehigh Valley and eventually to the Wells Fargo Center. So I think the relationship, because of its duration, has had a chance to really for both sides to understand one another, to understand their needs and desires, and find that way to mesh uh, the operations of the two organizations to the benefit of all. You know, one of the players that really exemplifies that, you know, developmental league uh, fundamental is uh, it's Max Willman, who came in fighting for a spot with the team later that season, signed a contract with the Flyers, with the big club. That's amazing. I mean, it really goes to show if you can impress in the ECHL, you will have a really fair look by an NHL team. Well, and uh, Dylan, I've said this for the whole time that I've been here. One of the somewhat unique uh, factors about playing in the ECHL in Reading is the, the coaching staff, whether you go back to the days of head coach Larry Corville or now under Kirk, if they sign you to a contract, they're going to put you on the ice. You're going to get your chance to play. Uh, sometimes they show up uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday and have a 35-minute meeting about the systems, and at 7 o'clock they're on the ice uh, getting ice time. That's, I think, one of the things that attracts players to Reading is they know that they're going to get the opportunity to earn a spot. And we've seen any number of players that started the season in the press box that by the end of the year were uh, one of the two or three guys carrying the offensive load for this team. It's happened time and time again, and I don't know who that magical player will be this right. year, but there will be somebody by the time the regular season ends that fans can look back and say, wow, he didn't play the first 10 games, but injuries arose, he got his chance, and he made the most of it. See, that's always the exciting part to me, it kind of uh, trying to look your way through a lineup, through players at training camp who you might not have had your eyes on in the beginning that really proved their way in the eyes of bigger clubs. And you know what? It's pretty amazing that the Royals are have been looked at as a springboard. I mean, look at goaltender you. This is basically what Reading is over the 20 years. So many goaltenders have come through here and made their name known. Absolutely. It, it's kind of phenomenal when you do think about it. Uh, you know, obviously John Quick, the most famous with his two Stanley Cups and uh, uh, Con Smythe Trophy, but uh, there have certainly been others, including Philip Grubauer, etc. Uh, it is somewhat amazing that almost uh, serendipitously the team has become known for goaltending, uh, but that certainly is the case. Now, that uh, some of that is uh, shrewd drafting by the Flyers organiz and organizations, uh, the Capitals before them, and going back to the days of Toronto and the, Bo the Boston Bruins when they were affiliated, or when the Royals were affiliated with those teams. Uh, but it is somewhat magical uh, to see that occur. And the unique ebb and flow as the waves you know, flow onto the beach and flow back out to sea, there's already a, already a class of uh, Division I college players and major junior players whose seasons have begun. Some of those players come next February and yes. March as those seasons end. will be getting their tryout in Reading and other places in the ECHL. And there will likely be somebody... Uh, that will make a name for himself and earn a spot on next year's Royals team based upon what he does this hey, fall. I'm thinking of one player in particular who did that not too recently, uh, long ago, Corey Mackin. 
I mean, he made his presence known at the end of the 1819 season, earned him a contract in 1920, and it was really impressive. By the way, there is a, a third man joining us up here on the boat. This is an actual boat, is what I have been told. And this is David Farrar, the general manager of the Reading Royals. Give him a round of applause, everybody. I can't hear anything. You can't hear anything. How now? Can you hear me? There we go. Perfect, perfect. How you doing, David? I'm good. Excited to be here. Excited to get going. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty amazing that we're uh, we're back. Hockey is back. You know, the crowd. That that's the yeah. coolest part to what me. A, what a crowd! To uh, I'm I'm shocked at how many people have come out today. It's awesome. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's really exciting. It's a sea of purple, and that's yeah. really something we're hoping to see. I don't think they can hear me. No. Can you I, hear me now? I think you got to put the mic a little bit closer. I'm almost eating it. You, you, that is, <laughs> is that, that is, better? That typically is how it goes. How how can can we hear it? Let's hear. Can you hear it now? No. No. Oh my goodness! What are what are we doing here? Are we plugged in. Should be plugged in. Should be all good to go. Might have to shout. Might have to shout. Have to yell. Yeah. Big pets. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear it. Is that better? There, there we, we go. go. There we go. All right. So that means I can hear. that means equipment needs to be changed. I'll do that. I'll take care of that. But welcome to day one. Yeah. Welcome to day one. This is no. It's exciting to be yeah. here and exciting to see so many people out here ready to go. Yeah. Um, no. It's, it's been awesome. so long that we didn't really know what to expect. So this no. is great. Thank you guys for coming out. So tell us about what you've been up to over the last uh, God. I don't know. Twenty months. Oh man, a little bit of everything. I mean, we we really obviously we stopped abruptly and then kind of throttled back and got everybody out of town and then took a while to just get through it and then uh, started to build a staff again and now we've got basically a whole new staff outside of Kirk and Dakota and a couple other folks but right. uh, I guess six seven months ago started bringing people back and getting going again yeah. and uh, here we are we got a game this weekend and then opening night next weekend can you believe that Th just no, just say that again we have a game this weekend we have a game this weekend it's great that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Remember, everybody, 7 o'clock, Helping Harvest. Yep. Can good donation gets you into the game. Uh, that's all you need for admission. It's going to be a great time. I mean, I'm yeah, so excited. We're all excited. And, it, you know, we put ice back in the building about two weeks ago, and it was, it was kind of an emotional day for some of us because it had been so long since we had done anything yeah. hockey-related especially. So to get the ice in and the logos in and get, get people back to work, it was just – it was. It was a great week to do. I mean, you and I were talking about it. We were just kind of sitting there at one of the corner doors. Like, this is, you know, a passion, right? Hockey yeah. is a passion. And the fact that the ice is back, it makes it feel real. And it, by the way, guys, tomorrow, 11 to 1, you can check out training camp. Check out practice. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. But, so... Tell us a little bit about what you've been uh, doing over not the last 20 months, but over the last month, getting us prepared for this season. Because it's been a hectic time, but one that you kind of love the excitement of. Yeah, it's 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 really exciting right now. And obviously, I've been working just working with the staff and making sure we're ready to go. And you know, Kirk's got a bunch of guys in town and getting everybody situated with apartments and food and everything going there. And then you know, working with the ticket guys and, and marketing and yourself just to make sure we're ready to go here in a couple of days. Right. Um, but it's been, it's been busy and luckily we have a good staff and I think we're on top of everything for the most part, but yeah. uh, we're, we're ready to go. That's for sure. There's definitely a sense of making sure we have everything together. And you know what? I, I feel like as things are getting closer, as we're moving closer to game day, 
you, you could see things are starting to come together, starting the puzzle pieces are coming. And it's almost like, in a way, it's 20 years. It's that anniversary, but it almost feels like a little bit of a reset of sorts. We've had a lot of time to ponder. Like you said, a lot of new hires. I'm one of them. And, uh, you know, from all that, we kind of have our chance to showcase who we are. Yeah, I mean, we sit on league calls all the time, and it's like we've got a bunch of expansion teams kind of going through this all for the first time. Um, the guys that have been around for 20 years and those of us that have only been around for, gosh, a little bit over half a season, it's kind of like you're starting over again, and you've got new staff, and you're, you know, you're, you're rebuilding. But it's, it's been a challenge, but it's been exciting, and we're all happy to be kind of where we are right now and ready to go with the 20th anniversary. So tell us a little bit about what went into preparing this kind of party this night for everybody, because like we were saying, this is a pretty awesome kind of showing. This is awesome. Yeah, I mean, the ticket staff kind of brainstormed what we wanted to do this year, and I know a couple of years ago we did something at the arena, which was fun, a little carnival, but it was let's, let's go to a sponsor, support a sponsor, get outside. The weather's nice still this time of year, and be outside. Obviously, coming out of COVID, everybody wants to be outside. and It's a little more comfortable, so we decided to come out here, and it's it, the weather's cooperated with us, and uh, now we're on a boat talking. We are on a boat. So it's uh, fun. We, we are on a boat. We, we've got Captain Morgan over there. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, this. I, I was told right as we were preparing for this that this was an actual boat that was renovated to be right here. I, I'll do recon on a on the high seas. This is perfect. Uh, yeah, this is perfect. Um, so, you know, we, we're coming so close to the season. I saw you, I think it was just yesterday, were on the ice with your son. First time in how long you were on the ice? Uh, years. It's only the third time in my life I've actually skated. And he he really? skates circles around me. He's been really <laughs> He's been really involved in the youth program and loves hockey and loves skating. And it's, you know, it's been two years since he's been to a game and it's like a different kid like yeah he knows all the games he knows when we're playing he knows what time he's he's ready to go and kudos to terry and the whole youth program for what what i think they're going to bring to us this year that we haven't had in the past which is hopefully you know four or five hundred kids every game with their families enjoying hockey and being into it and we're going to try to get those those kids out on the ice as much as we can and uh I think it's going to just add to the atmosphere on a, you know, especially those weekend games. Cole's obviously a part of Royals youth hockey, yeah. and yeah, talk a little bit about that. What has the, I mean, winning awards, just showing the fact that the Royals are a community-built um, venture. It's not just a singular hockey team; it is a community of many facets. The Royals Youth Hockey Association is one of them. Yeah, we got lucky right before COVID. I guess a month or two, Dakota, who's, who's our AGM, and Terry DeNike, who was at the Body Zone at the time, came in with an idea to start uh, a youth program that was kind of a Body Zone, but we were going to take it over. And uh, and it starts kids from when they get their first pair of skates and get on the ice all the way up until, you know, kind of a semi-travel program. We've got 350 kids involved, and it's growing every week, and it really thrived throughout COVID, which was awesome to see. Right. And uh, we won an award with the league for, for generating revenue, which was great to see and, and a good accomplishment for the staff. But it's really just... It's not about revenue at, at, at its core. It's about trying to grow the game. Yeah, it's growing the game here in Berks County and giving kids an opportunity to play hockey right here at, at home mm-hmm. over the body zone. Or they've been doing some stuff at the rink now that we have ice, which is great. Right. And uh, and we'll continue to integrate them into the program as, as much as we can. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just... It's great to see the game growing and see kids out there having fun and, and to start seeing those kids come to games. And I think you'll you'll see this year more youth hockey merchandise and kids wearing their gear and being into the games and stuff. So it, yeah. it helps the whole the whole system, right? It all works together. And right. 
maybe one of these kids one day will play for the Royals, which would be a, a cool story to tell. You know, I always think about soccer when we're talking about, you know, youth uh, growing into becoming a professional player. In so many soccer, te- so many soccer teams have development squads. Mm-hmm. They, they have their academies. Uh, the Philadelphia Union, for example, they have their youth academies. They bring players up. Um, and eventually, they get big contracts overseas. A player, Brennan Aronson, he's one of them. This could, this is the legitimate thing that could happen with the Reading Royals Youth Hockey Association in 10 years. Yeah, maybe one day. I mean, yeah. Swavely played for the Junior Royals years ago, um, so he was a, a product of that. And uh, we had two camps this summer. We had Kirk out there, and then Nick came out for a couple of days. Um, so the coaches are out. So it just, it all ties together, and it's, it's a good story. And I think it's, you know, it's just going to keep growing. Right. You know. I I just keep thinking about that we're in a game week. You know, game day is coming up. What kind of goes into a game day for you? You know, so many people think, you know, you're the general manager. You're, you're the big head of the team. What goes into preparation of game day for you? I'm, I'm sure people are curious about that. Yeah, for us, it's as a staff just working through operations and what we're going to do from season ticket holders coming in, the regular guests coming in, to selling more tickets, to the game presentation. They're at the arena tonight working on a, a run-through for the game presentation because we've got a new staff there. And just making sure once doors open, we're ready to go. Right. With, if it's giveaways, if it's mascots, if it's different things on the concourse that we try to implement. It's working with the parking authority to make sure parking's good, mm-hmm. um, keeping the local restaurants up to date of what we have going on when so people are prepared at the restaurants. So it's a little bit of everything there. Let's talk a little bit about promotional nights because it's the 20th anniversary. We're trying to have so many promotional nights, so many giveaways this year. I mean, it's more than pretty much ever before. Yeah. Yeah, we've invested a lot in giveaways this year. If it's cowbells, bobbleheads, um, uh, what else are we giving away here? It's a magnet you know, schedule. Magnet schedules. I mean, a little bit of everything we're giving away. So every weekend game especially has, yeah. has some sort of giveaway. Um, which we thought was important this year to invest in and try to get yeah. some more people to come out. Now, opening night, October 23rd, next Saturday, Brett Scallions of Fuel will be there uh, in the opening night block party. That's going to be a lot of fun. You know, smash car, yep. pretty much a lot of ways to to just say, hey, we're back. Yeah, we're excited to get people out on Penn Street and get that crowded again. Yeah. Know, a couple of years, last couple of years we've had one, and it's been it's been a good good atmosphere and a fun time to get together before the game. Um, yeah. So we're excited to get that going. It'll be it'll be rocking. That's for yeah. sure. It's going to be a ton of fun. What is what are some of the promotional nights you're most excited about? Because I know that you know we talk all summer, all off season yeah. about what some of our marquee nights will be. I'm really looking forward to affiliation night. We're going to have Teddy Bear Toss that night as yep. well. So some good things coming that day. Yeah, the Flyers Fridays are going to be great. They've given us some good alumni coming out to sign autographs. Um, those will be good. We're going to do happy hours those night from uh, 6 to 7, which will be good. So I think, you know, we've got Danny Breer coming one yeah. night. I think Holmgren's coming another night. Yep. So some good names coming out, which is exciting. Yeah, we've got some great names for Flyers Fridays. You know, we're having Dave Schultz, Bernie Perrant, Danny Breer, Paul Holmgren, Brian Prompt. That is an amazing group of both players, both, uh, you know, general managers, uh, presidents, Flyers Hall of Famers, U.S. Hockey Hall of Famers. That is what is so amazing about the Flyers Friday package. If you're a season ticket holder and if you want to get access to some of the Q&As, you can call the ticket office. We'll make sure we can work with you to get that done. Sure. 
There's a lot of static out there. I don't know if you can fix that on the board. Yeah, so not. the static, I'm not sure if we can fix that on the board. Let's see. We might have to yell more, which, uh, believe it or not, the static might uh, go away if we turn it down and then speak louder. Um, but you know what? It's. Uh, I think we might have to kick you off now. I'm not sure if that's, that's fine. If, is that fine? Yep. Is that Man fine? Yeah, here. David, thank you so much for joining us. You got it. Seriously. The Man of the Hour is here. And uh, if you look up to the boat, we see that head coach Kirk McDonald has joined us. Thank you so much, Kirk. He's coming in. He's coming in. <laughs> can you hear me? Sort of. Sort of. I think we can. I think we can hear. You know, you might have to uh, yell a little bit. You know, sometimes you have okay. to yell at some of the players, but I don't know. I think we can hear you pretty pretty decently right now. Perfect. So, it, it's a good time to be a Royals fan. Hockey is coming back. Yeah, I hope so. Um, excited. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. It is very exciting. You know, uh, we've been talking a lot about the players all having some unfinished business. I'm sure that resonates with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're um, obviously uh, two years ago was a tough way to end, I think, for everybody, um, including probably a lot of teams in the league or the top five. And, uh, you know, we were rolling. Uh, I just, what was our record? 17-3-1 and one over yeah. the last 21 games. And then, poof, uh, everybody was gone in a matter of days. So it was yeah. a tough way to finish. And I'm sure the other teams, like I said, at the top of the standings were feeling the same way. But um, excited with the group we got coming back. The, the returning guys that stuck it out and, and wanted to be here. And, and we're excited to get to work. So talk a little bit about what you've been seeing during training camp. Who are some of the players that have impressed so far? Yeah, I think a lot of guys have looked uh, good. Obviously, the older guys. Um, Garrett Tassir has been really good, I think, on the back end. Uh, pleasantly surprised. Uh, who else? Just thinking. Uh, Patrick Bakoff, new guy. Josh Winquist, a couple, another new guy that uh, – uh, obviously high expectations, but they've looked really good. Thomas Ebbing looks great for taking a year off. Losey yeah. was kind of in a not a great league in Europe, and he and he's taking care of himself. He looks really good. Draker didn't play last year either. Looks great. Jeez, I'm just trying to, you know. <laughs> Crowcock, you know, again, like he, he looks like he's taking steps or picked up where he left off. He was really starting to find his game two years ago, I thought, and uh, he looks good out there. Uh, you know. Uh, it's been a really good camp so far, uh, all things considered. Uh, you know, like uh, you never know, kind of being off and everything. I, I think there's been some hiccups, but by and large, I think the guys have all been uh, uh, very good. Yeah. Kirk, welcome back. It's great to have you back. Great to be here with you. Just talk for a moment, if you would, going into your fifth season as the head coach after this long layoff. What did you think about in terms of your coaching style during the downtime, and how have perhaps you made changes to how you've approached the training camp? Um, I think some of the stuff, uh, especially which probably learned more in 1920, is to keep it simple. Um, just because you have a lot of bodies doesn't mean you can uh, 
try and reinvent the wheel every day of practice. Like I think there's a couple of things we want to be really good at, and we're focusing on that. I think some of the stuff that, uh, you know, obviously James has done a great job, but through the, the real dog days of last year, Nick and I really got into talking about, um, you know, different ways to create offense, uh, a lot of that stuff like that that we're trying to incorporate. And they're really subtle things, which probably most people wouldn't notice at practice, but just kind of a mentality on how to create more of a, attack mentality with all five guys in the ozone i think we've been pretty good at that but we just kind of want want to add a layer how we attack off the rush uh just a couple of subtleties that you know i've picked up from some nhl teams i know nick and i tracked uh four team on all their even strength goals throughout last year and, and kind of found some cool little uh tendencies that that uh have li- that help generate offense so we're trying to incorporate that without um going too overboard on some of it. How do you uh, kind of balance the excitement and the enthusiasm that you and I'm sure all the players have, but also recognize as you do that this is a marathon, 72 games in the travel, and not let the horse come out of the gate and just run wild? Yeah, uh, good point. Uh, geez, we were really, uh, the boys were real horny the first couple of days, and we were, uh, myself included, like you're on the ice, we had practice, I think, you know, there's a lot of days, and we're, uh, uh, you know, we're on the ice. I think we were 45, 50 minutes dry cut, and then we go back out for another half hour. Like, that's a long day in pro hockey, plus we had workouts. Like, so the guys are at the rink from, like, you know, 9 a.m. until 1.32, where it's, like, physical activity for that whole time, where it's funny, like, it even for me, I'm like, ah, we got to pull up, pull the reins back a little bit. And, you know, today was a bit shorter. Uh, you know, we were literally off the ice in 55 minutes, you know, had a little workout as well, but it just, even as a coach, like you're excited and you've got some, like I said, some new ideas you want to try. And then you're looking at the clock and you're like, all right, we can't be out here forever. Um, because they are moved, like it's up and down the ice, like they're bagged. So I think that's probably more on me than the players, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> I think we're starting to settle in and they're starting to see, you know, we've got a game, you know, practice tomorrow. Then it's the day before a game Thursday. Then we're more into a weekend routine for a lot of the guys. And then it's it's game time, right, next week. So uh, then you're into the normal routine of the schedule starting on Monday. So really, you know, we're kind of grinding through tomorrow and Thursday at this point. Some of the older guys are going to have to go to Adirondack on Friday, so they're going to grind through Friday. And then, you know, thankfully we got one more on Saturday, and the real thing starts next week. You know, we've, uh, I was seeing a lot of the guys on the ice past that 55-minute mark. And as a coach, what does that say to you about the preparation of the players? They want to stay out on the ice. They want to keep working on some things. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you got to check and see if the head coach is still out there. Because if I've gotten off the ice <laughs> and they're still out there, then they're actually trying to do stuff. They're just scared <laughs> to get off if I'm still out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the guys are working hard. It's, it seems like a really good group of guys, and they're enthusiastic and you know, it's been relatively normal for us. You know, there's some rules and regulations we got to follow, but based on what we've done uh, leading up to the year, um, we are able to pretty much do not be. It's not a free for all, but uh, compared to what the guys had to go through last year, and I know just from how Lehigh and Philly ran things that uh, what we're able to do this year is. It's per, I think a, the guys are just happy to be able to kind of have some sort of normal team activities this year. You were mentioning um, uh, just a few days ago that you're not going to hold anything against players who weren't able to get out on the ice. It was good that players got any bit of hockey played last year. It doesn't matter where they were. 
it's just helping them get reps. Yeah, I mean, some guys called me, like, should I go play in the SPHL? I was like, man, if you can find a team to play on, like, go play. I don't care where, like, you know, Losey went to uh, the third league in Germany. Like, it's not a great league, but he got 20 games in. Jackson Cressy was in a lower league in Sweden, so was Crowcock. But, I mean, they got reps, you know, and they played. For whatever reason, some guys couldn't find a job or just didn't want to. Like, Ebbing didn't play, and I'll give him a ton of credit. He looks really good. So, you know, I, I it's like some guys played, some guys didn't. Like, to me, the guys I talked to was like, are you going to be ready to go when we start, like, on October 8th? Yeah. And everybody's shown up in really good shape. So, to me... Now it's just a matter of you're ready. How are you going to perform on Friday and Saturday this weekend for some of the decisions we got to make? And then we're off to the races. What, Kirk, what is the timetable uh, after the preseason game in that week leading up to opening the season? Uh, we have to have the opening night rosters in by 3 p.m. on Wednesday next week, which will be the 20th? I think so. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The twenty. Um, yep. <laughs> there's no days or numbers on the days now that it's hockey season. It's just right. game day or practice day. Um, so, uh, yeah. There's that. We'll probably we'll we'll probably cut down pretty much everybody after Saturday's game at the latest. We might keep one or two, but you know by then we've made our decisions and and you know uh, Lehigh has their game tomorrow, and uh, you know we should see some more guys down with us on Thursday. Um, I think Usti will be on the transactions tomorrow. He just got loaned to us this afternoon, this evening. So, um, yeah, there are a few more guys. Haji's still sticking around up there, but uh, so great on him. But, again, like that kind of just forces them to make a decision on somebody, you know, whether he forces them to keep him and, you know, somebody else will be loaned to us. So it's just a matter of kind of seeing where the chips fall at this point. So that's some big news right there. Usti has been yeah, sent the, down. The Usti will be here uh Live and living color tomorrow morning. How's yeah. it feel to be a reporter and break that news? Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I throw some hockey. Nobody know who I was talking about though. If I <laughs> name some hockey reporters. So. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. You know, uh, Pat, I I'm just so excited to see what this season is going to bring for the Royals. I, I know that we we were talking about some of the things that the dog days of January and how do you keep some of those guys motivated at that point. Like in the actual hockey season? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll just tell them, remember when you weren't doing anything in the actual <laughs> dog days? Um, yeah, like uh, I was thinking you were thinking of last January's dog days. Those are dog days. Oh, um, yeah, those are dog um, days. I don't know. Like the, You know, like the guys, I think it's hardest on the college guys because, like, you play 36 games, and I remember kind of hitting the wall around early February, and it was a grind. But I think the guys are better prepared now for it either way. Like, uh, you know, like, we don't practice much, to be honest. Like, that's how you keep them. At that point, like, practices is, is more about uh, the details of it than really going after it hard. Like, if you can be out there for 35, 40 minutes and just, like, make sure your structure's good and get a couple reps and touches, then that's really all you're trying to do. And then get ready for the game. Uh, you know, like, it, it's kind of – some guys say rest is a weapon. That saying rest is a weapon is stupid. Like, you got to put the work in. Well, yeah, like – that's true, but the work's supposed to be put in in the off season. Like we're preparing to win games now, and if you're playing three or four games a week, like you can't practice. It's it just at a, at a certain point, guys just like their bodies can only do so much, and our travel's terrible, and that's just part of playing in the ECHL. Like the travel stinks. Like no matter where you play, travel stinks. So um, you got to find rest where you can, and 
um, give the guys their rest and mentally and physically. Have you seen any bit of uh, slowness uh, from the players getting going here compared to a typical uh, training camp because of this extended break for a lot of them? No, actually, it's probably the best first couple days I've seen ever from the Christmas. I haven't really had to stop a lot of drills and because they're sloppy or whatever. Like the first couple of days, we barely stopped practice, which was really good. Usually it's like blow the whistle, guys are all over the place, slow it down, you know, do it right really not much of anything like it's been really smooth um i don't know whether that's a good omen or not like who <laughs> knows we'll find out but uh it, guys have been good like it's they've listened um uh, dialed in like uh like i said only a couple uh mistakes here and there kirk is a 50-year head coach how does the 50-year head coach kirk mcdonald look back on rookie head coach kirk mcdonald and what are the differences that you see in your own practicing of the art um, like I said earlier, probably just, uh, less is more, I think. Like, we're all playing the same way, you know, by and large. Like, some of the systems change, but just, okay, what are we going to do? Let's make sure what we do is better than whatever the other team's going to do and not get so married to, like, worrying about what Adirondack or Worcester or Newfoundland's going to do. Like, we know what we're about, and we're going to try and do what we, what be what we are and do it better than whoever it is we're playing against like yeah you have to make adjustments and structure and little things here but you don't have to go and like redo everything every game like hey like we are who we are they know what's coming and we're just going to do it better than you and I think that's a uh, something that uh you know I've noticed like I said like try and be really good at like three things and if those three things were really good at them I think we're going to win a lot of games and your goal is kick at nine one five Right? Like, uh, you know, I'm not being a, don't want to sound like a, a jerk, but like, at the end of the day, you, you got to be a good team, but then, you know, goaltending's 90% of the problem when you got one, and it's 100% when you don't. <laughs> so, uh, like, we're really lucky with the depth we have in that position right now. So, like I said, like, I think we're going to go out and focus on what we're good at and uh, force the other teams to adjust us. Do you find yourself being a more patient coach than you may have been in the first couple of years? Uh, I don't think pa <laughs> patience uh, is something like, w w what's the term? Uh, Work in progress? Something uh, like that? I don't know. Patience is a quality we all have, but few possess. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure if I p possess it. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're sure, not sure if I'm that patient. Like, I, you know, you expect details from the guys. And, and uh, you know, let's be honest, if you're a coach, you're probably pretty type A personality. So that's just, you know. I don't the way think, it is. I don't think I have an off switch. So, <laughs> you're, Now, when you're at home, do you have to also uh, make sure your dogs are uh, also being coached about, you know, make sure you're eating here this time, you're disciplined. My dogs don't listen to me. I know they no, don't. No, I've seen that. No, I've no. seen that. So I just, they do whatever they feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you like to do outside of the game of hockey because we always, what we always like to hear from, if, hear from anybody is just, Outside of this world, outside of this sport, it, it is a job. There are things that have to go with it being a job. What is your escape from hockey, I guess? Uh, are you going to tell me you don't have one? I mean, I, 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 play, I play golf. I mean, you Everyone know. does. Um, <laughs> that's probably it, yeah. you know, like... Uh, 
Talk a little bit about golf. What what is what draws you to it? I don't know. Just it's something like you can do. Like it's competitive with yourself. You know what I mean? Like you're not. You know, I I tried men's league this past year and like I almost went to jail for. <laughs> I I don't think that's a good idea for me. Um, you know, because again, I don't have an off switch, so it's like there's no sense in being out there playing men's league. Um, yeah, like you're kind of competitive against yourself. Like and and you know, it's something you can do whether it's. A good social activity or if you want to go out by yourself and just play nine holes like it's um you know something you can work on and get away but i mean i'd like to say there's a whole lot of other pursuits but i mean i spent most of the year and a half doing video and watching games on tv and going to the flyers and lehigh games so right. um that was most of my time and other than that that's about it i run a lot oh that's good that's my stress reliever. I, I should do a little bit yeah. more of that um yeah <laughs> Um, you know, when it comes to that challenge against yourself, do you kind of look at your coaching mentality that way? It, it, you want to coach against yourself, try and beat what you've done in the past. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessarily, I mean, maybe it's more like uh, from a coaching philosophy, it's like, um, to me, it's like, how do you build a good culture where I think your culture is more important than any X's and O's that you can have, like, um it's not an accident the same teams win and lose every year, and I don't think it's ne yeah some things about um, yeah getting better players, but it's a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Like guys want to come play for you or come play for an organization because they treat you properly. You know what I mean? And you do things the right way. And I I would say I read a lot of books about that more than anything over over the break, and uh, you know I thought that was kind of whether it's, you know, leadership or, you know, the New Zealand All Blacks are a great example of, like, why they've been literally the best team in all of sports for the last hundred years, yeah. right? Like, it's their their culture, their uh, the humility within it, where everybody's at the same level. I think, you know, everybody knows who the best players are, but, uh, um, you know, it's, you know, everybody feels a responsibility to do the right thing and be a good teammate and, yeah, the X's and O's kind of take take care of itself. Kirk, do you find yourself uh, along that uh, thought line uh, spending more time judging and recruiting players based upon how you think they'll fit a culture as much as you do their skills and talents? On yeah, the I mean, it's, it's not hard to ask somebody when you're doing research if the guy's a good guy. You know, like, if he's an awesome player and he stinks as a human, like, there's no need because it's just like... It's not like again. It's not an accident. You see these certain players in any sport; they always put up good numbers, and they never win, right? And then the same guys winning follows them everywhere. Like this isn't some like super luck. They're not like the luckiest guys in the world. There's a reason why, you know. Um, like for hockey people, like you look the the third Kachuk is holding out, right? Well, like not one of those three, uh, Keith Kachuk or either of his kids have won a championship, <laughs> right? Like that's not an accident. They're notorious for doing this stuff. Well, it's like, you're probably not a great teammate either. So, I mean, yeah, you're a great player, but eventually it doesn't, you know, like you look at the Boston Bruins and Pittsburgh and Tampa, like their guys are bought in. Like there's right. never any of these issues with them. And it starts from their best players and their leadership. Like and at our level, like even the, every guy we've had was it's Frank, uh, Frank Tachara and, and Losey and Ebbs and Cecir, like they're all great people. Draker, you know, brought in Pat Nagel, great human. Um, you know, I'm just 
trying to go through the people we've had, like Eric Nodal, like when Nick was playing, Chris McCarthy, like you could never say they were bad guys, right? Like they're all guys you want to go sit here with and have beers with, right? Right? When you're not playing, I think that's, you know, are they guys you want to sit and have a beer with, you know? Yeah. Like that's kind of the easy question to ask. And then, you know, after that, like, you know if they're a good player or not. Like it's easy to find video and watch them, but right. I think – actually finding out whether they're a good person, that goes a long way, especially at this level when some of the BS that starts coming up. <laughs> you you know, know, that doesn't surprise me, though. We've seen what these teams have looked like for so long. These teams that have been under your watch, and they always seem to have those character guys, not necessarily guys that are going to uh, just run the gauntlet when it comes to scoring, but, like, these players, you, you can always expect 100% out of them, 110%. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I think, like, the same, like, you're surrounded with good people, like, you want to do your job better, and then, you know, you know, it's not like guys haven't come here and succeeded on the ice, I think it's, uh, but again, like, you show up every day, and it's fun, and you can joke around, like, we're serious on the ice, but like, we want to joke around, I don't want to come and be miserable at work <laughs> either, like, you can be intense and still have fun, and I think that's an important part of the, you know, this job. Yeah. What are you looking forward to the most out of games coming back? Oh, just playing, getting yeah. ready, like the grind. I am actually kind of looking for, kind of interested to see how it's going to feel to get in at 3 a.m. and get back up early in the morning and get to the rink. It's been a while, so uh, um, maybe not the preseason games, but it's fun. <laughs> you know, it, it's fun to turn around sometimes and like know you're you got another one, and you don't even think about not sleeping. You just get up and grind and and have fun and you know get after it. Well, it's a different challenge for preseason games, right? You're coming in, and your main goal is to, I'm sure some of it's to evaluate some of your uh, tactics that you're going to use, but you're really looking to see what some of these players are really going to be made of. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's definitely an evaluation. Like, winning or losing isn't really that important, let's be honest. It's, are we competing, right? Like, right. if we lose and our guys play really well in the preseason, like, okay, that's fine, like... Hopefully that doesn't mean we're just not good enough. It's just, you know, we have stuff happens. It's the preseason. Like, we're going to, you know, the young guys are all going to get a chance to play on Friday, and we're probably going to play all the guys that we expect to be a part of the team on Saturday, by and large, and we'll see if we can squeeze some other guys into the lineup. But that's kind of where it's at right now. Like, um, you know, you try not, like, there's certain guys that may have to go to Adirondack that don't want to, is that are older guys, but... You know, we got to evaluate, and they got to get ice time. Kirk, thinking back to the Kelly Cup season as a player, what have you now, looking at all those years back, what do you think you took most out of that experience that you've applied to your coaching success? Yeah, one uh, things I've taken probably one, one don't panic. Um, you know, based on the start of a season, uh, one, you know, or don't get too high or don't get too low. And then again, like going back to talking about people, like we had a great group of guys, like good character. Like we had 10 guys that I could say would, could have been a captain of a team in our league. So that stuff goes a long way. And, uh, I think those are two huge things. Like, yeah, we had really good players. Don't get me wrong, but everybody liked being with each other. We had a blast, like it was fun. And, uh, you know, like that's eh. Like I said, it's a lot easier to play and show up every day if you like the guys you're working with. You're bringing in a lot of captains and alternate captains from their time through, you know, junior hockey, college hockey, professional hockey. I mean, um, I'm assuming that's no that's no coincidence right there. No, and, and like usually 
Frank, like you know, like your best players in college and junior are probably your leadership group, and then no, those guys are probably playing in this league or the American League. So it's just kind of a byproduct. But yeah, at the same time, like you said, you want to bring in good people and people that are willing to step forward and lead and do things the right way. Right. And uh, I think that's exactly what's been going on here of the uh, last few years. And, you know, just seeing everyone get back onto the ice, I'm sure it brings a smile to your face. Uh, it, 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 I'm sure it feels like we're back to where it, it almost feels like there wasn't that year and a half break. We're, we're right back into the start of a season. Things are kind of getting their gears rolling right now. Does that kind of uh, do you feel like this is just normal, like nothing's changed? Oh, yeah, like, I mean, the guys are all like, we can't get back, wait to get back. We're not going to complain about stuff. First day, somebody's complaining about something, you know. <laughs> stuff never changes, right? I mean, and all joking aside, it's like, that's just how guys are. They get in a group, and it's like, you talk about good guys. It doesn't matter. They're uh, we're not, we're, we got to get a gift card for Perdia or whatever. It's like, guys, like, relax. Like, it's good, you know, like, and it's like, there's always one guy for everything. <laughs> or it's like, I don't like my stick, or I don't like this, and it's like, all right, we're back. You know, everybody <laughs> forgot about how grateful they were going to be to be playing. But, you know, at the same time, like, it's funny. Like, I, it's more I joke about it. Like, it's, um, you know, guys know what they sign up for at this level, and the, but then they still chip about it when it, when it happens, right? Um, you miss what you never thought you'd miss. Exactly. And and it's all all joking. Like, guys have been great. and But, again, like I said, like, guys are already feeling like, man, it's – camp feels like a grind, and we really only had five practices so far. And right. it's like – but they are long days. and But then you forget the guys who played in our league played till June last year, even the guys who didn't make the playoffs. So it actually hasn't been that long of an offseason for those guys. So uh, it, it, they do have a point. So we're, you know, we're, but it's just, it's funny because I say the same thing. Like, I'm not going to complain. And then I get into the mix of it and I'm complaining too. So, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it's human nature, but it's just funny to think because like we're all saying we're never going to complain again. This time last year, you know, last December when we knew we weren't having a season, and then you're back into it, and it's like, you know, something happens. You're like, <laughs> you know, guys are just, you know, chirping at each other. So it's just funny how it is, but it's, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, it is fun. It's just, it's uh, funny how the dynamic works. Kirk, anything significant, uh, any significant change in how you're going to handle the three and three weekends, or do you just grind those out? And I'm thinking particularly with the travel. Is there any... Yeah, you know what? Honestly, this year, lucky the travel's actually way better if you look at the schedule. Um, we only have three, four, and fives all year, I think, which last year when the season got shut down, we were at the finished three weekends in a row, four games and five nights. So, uh, And then I think we only have eight three and threes total for the year. So for our league, like that's, you know, there's 25 weeks. So that's literally, you know. Like Christmas. Yeah, like that's not even that bad, right? So, uh um, you know, you know, if you're, you know, there might be a time if you have extra bodies, you rotate, but based on like, we're pretty lucky with our home sets. Like it's all, you know, we're home for a week and then we go somewhere or we're home for two weeks and then we go, like we have a trip in November to Trois-Rivières and Newfie, but it's not a three and three, but it's like just the dynamic of it this year. I think we're pretty lucky in general for how our schedule is set up like even our three and threes like a lot of them are in the same city or they're only in two cities for the weekend which is you know last year christmas we went in portland maine glens falls brampton in less than 48 hours like we don't have that this year so like again you talk about rest and stuff i think that's a benefit for us going forward like um 
you know, you always have a plan for three and threes at the start of the year. And then when you don't have enough guys to ice a full roster, you're just like, all right, who wants to play D tonight? You know, like it's just, you know, you can prepare at this level, but at a certain point, you know, your all your preparations are going to get thrown out the window. It's anyways, like, uh, so you just kind of try and have some guidelines. Does uh, the addition of Trois Rivières make the travel easier than having Brampton in the league? Or is that, yeah, is I think it does because like it, it, travel time to there for us is the same as Brampton, but you actually have to drive right through Glens Falls to get there. So that's a bonus. It's a shorter trip from there. It's like an hour shorter flight from Montreal to Newfoundland. So we're actually, that Thanksgiving trip, we're actually going to fly out of Newark to Montreal and then stay in Trois-Rivières and then just fly from Montreal after that first three games to St. John's. So, like, you know, you talk about the schedule being a grind. Like, we knock out six road games right there without having to really get on a bus. So that's a huge advantage for us, the way things have been in previous years, you know, and then we have to go to Newfoundland again. So that's nine more. That's nine games where we're not busing. So, like, that doesn't seem like a lot, but it's, again, like, it, it, it helps from our standpoint. And and because they don't want to play three and threes, all our trips up there are either Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, or just Friday, Saturday. So, like, they because them and the Maple Leafs don't want to play, like I should say, Trois-Rivières with Montreal – and Newfoundland's with Toronto, both those organizations don't want their guys playing four games and five nights or three games and three nights. So, like, they ask for their schedule to be set up so they don't play any home weekends with three games and three nights or like that. So, you know when you go there on the road, you are actually got a good setup. And it's like, I think we play 15 games up there. So, it's almost half your road schedule, you know, or 14 games maybe. So, I mean, that's half your road schedule almost where you know you're not playing three and threes and, and stuff like that. So that's that's a, that's beneficial even from, from our end. What about, uh, you know, Adirondacks and Maine that said, are you doing it, Are you going to be doing any more or more frequently going up the night before? Yeah, we always go night before for those now. Like it's five and a half hours to Glens Falls. It's If you don't hit traffic right getting to Worcester, it's seven hours. Like if you went day, like if we went day game to Worcester, there'd be times where we'd show up late for the game like for seven o'clock because of the new york city traffic like because it's just there's no getting through new york city knowing that you're gonna get through unscathed sometimes like sometimes you do and sometimes it's like we're on the bus for nine hours trying to get there because there's something going on like it's just our travel's not great like it'd be awesome if binghamton came in the league now that the american league team left or somewhere else where we just could go day of and get back at midnight or one in the morning you know what i mean like it trust me we we'd love to have that but it's uh Everybody wants Trenton back. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. I, that would be the best thing ever, right? Like, because it's just that that's the, the it's not even the road that bought is hard. It's that f like we're five really got, Wheeling's four and a half. Everything else is like five plus hours to get anywhere on a bus. And that's what really gets on you. You know, as the season goes along, like, you know, no matter what, you're in a hotel for all your road games. You know, this is uh. Uh, this is so exciting. I mean, we're, we're back. We are back. Hockey we back. is back. We, we back. back. Boys are buzzing. Yep. Boys are Absolutely. buzzing. Kirk, thank you so much for joining us Anytime, here. Anytime, fellas. Really Anytime. appreciate it. Everyone give him a round of applause. Guys, that is uh, pretty much all the time we have. We've been on for an hour, and uh, I must say, uh, I, I, I can't believe we're back. I mean, I, I keep saying it, but... Hockey in Reading, it's been... How many days has it been, Pat? I can't even remember what I said earlier. Something like 592 592 days. 593. Three. Not being able to remember what I said 
an hour ago doesn't bode well, does it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think that'll be completely fine. But, you know, uh, it's been that long since there has been a game played in Reading. That will all change on opening night. Yes, there's the preseason game, remember, this Saturday, 7 o'clock. Free admission with a canned good donation for helping Harvest. You can also come to training camp 11 to 1 tomorrow. That'll be a great time to kind of see all the boys before they actually hit the ice for some game action. October 23rd, 7 p.m., opening night. Cannot wait. Let's fill the building. Let's fill, Let's the, building. fill the building. Yeah. Let's fill the building. Guys, thank you so much for being great season ticket holders. Cannot wait to see you in the stands. For now, so long and go Royals.